It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. All right, boys and girls, we are back with another edition of the Ben Dominich podcast brought to you by Fox News. This is a special edition of the Ben Dominich podcast because it is a conversation with Brett Baer, the one and only, uh, about this amazing story in the world of sports and golf, the merger of the PGA uh, and Live Golf, uh, along with uh, other partners as well, into one major entity. Uh, in uh, just an astounding conclusion to years of of bickering and back and forth between the Saudi-backed entity uh, and the PGA. Um, Just to give you a little bit of background in case you, uh, you know, don't necessarily pay attention to these stories, uh, I wanted to read to you from uh, a piece by Andrew Beaton and uh, Luis uh, Radnovsky in the Wall Street Journal today uh, talking about uh, the the two entities. Uh, The the PGA's clash uh, since Liv teed off a year ago has left no entity in the sport unscathed. Venues, vendors, superstar golfers, and even an obscure body called the official world golf ranking were pulled into the fray. Legal and public relations fires were started everywhere from California and Washington, D.C. to Europe. The biggest damages were inflicted on each other. The tour relished the prospect of dragging the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia into discovery proceedings, then watching Liv drop its antitrust claims rather than have Saudi officials face being deposed. The tour was also poised to pounce on a Liv public relations contractor's recent registration as a foreign agent of Saudi Arabia. At the same time, Liv watched the tour and other icons of the Gulf establishment become the focus of a DOJ antitrust investigation. It alleged in court that the tour had hired a consulting firm to secretly stoke anti-Saudi sentiment by coordinating protests by 9-11 families and even flying them by private jet to rally outside live events. There was no end in sight, which may explain why the warring sides decided they had to end it. As the feud became ever more inflammatory, it had brought the hostile parties together. And then I just wanted to read you from a piece by Dan Rappaport, which you'll find over at Barstool Sports. He's one of the top reporters covering uh, golf uh, today uh, on uh, on Barstool uh, and the incredible reactions uh, that came through. The initial reaction, he reports, after the news dropped was one of pure shock. No one had heard a peep about this being a possibility in the near future. That includes players of all levels on the PGA Tour. Colin Morikawa had no idea. Neither did Joel Dahman. As it turns out, neither did Roy McIlroy or Tiger Woods. Golf Channel's Todd Lewis reported that McIlroy and Woods found out this morning along with the rest of the membership. How is that possible for an organization that claims to be member-run to make the biggest deal in its history without input or knowledge from the players? Because the negotiations were between a very, very small group of people. I'm also told that live executives were not told about the deal in advance, and as of about 4 p.m. Eastern time, hadn't received any communication from leadership explaining the move, the motivations, and what might come next. This was downright succession-esque, just a couple rich dudes in a room reshaping the room. 
this is a fascinating occurrence in the world of sports generally. It also has political ramifications because of the role that the uh, Saudi Arabian uh, Wealth Fund played in, in this. And, of course, uh, the fact that uh, Joe Biden had promised to make uh, Mohammed bin Salman a pariah when he was uh, elected president. Uh, obviously, this is one way to buy your way back into the mainstream, in, uh, as it were. Brett uh, takes off his uh, anchor hat, puts on his golf fan hat. Guy just threw everything that went on and, and one of the, some of the things that he thinks are going to come after this merger, uh, what he's paying attention to in the world of golf generally and more. Brett Bear coming up next. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. So, Brett, I was astonished to see the headlines uh, about this PGA Live merger. I know that it's something that people had been discussing uh, for a long time as a theory about something that could happen, but it still seemed to take the world of sports and, and sports business by surprise. Uh, tell me your thoughts, just initial thoughts on hearing that this deal was going through. Yeah, Ben, I tell you, I had heard that the negotiations were kind of ongoing, uh, that the communication lines were open, but I really didn't think it was going to happen that quickly. Uh, I got word um, early morning, a couple hours before the announcement, and uh, I was trying to get details, and I got some more details, kind of uh, put it in the bloodstream uh, at the network, uh, embargoed until the relief came out at 10 a.m. yesterday. But it is, you know, shocking. Um, and I guess the big picture, if I take off my news anchor hat and I put on my golfer hat, I think it really is good for the game of golf. I think it's uh, a coming together. It's, it's, uh, for golfers, there was a lot of angst about this split, you know, mom and dad are arguing, um, you know, and, and different, um, elements of really good players. I think that bringing it together eventually and whatever that looks like in its final form is a really good thing for golf. I think, uh, what precipitated this was a couple of things. One, um, you know, you had some really good uh, performances by Brooks Kepka winning the PGA, by Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson coming in second at the Masters. Um, but beyond that and the performance, there were there was litigation that was pending 
and coming to a head. And there were depositions that were starting and discovery that was starting. And it was going to get pretty ugly, I'm told, about what was going to come out. And everybody had to open their books and um, some of the, the back stuff. And, and knowing that personally, it's not a fun thing to go through. Um, and I think that they came to the conclusion in this grand negotiation to stop the litigation, to bring golf together, and um, to figure out a way that this all works. You know, it's it's just uh, shocking to me that something like this can happen with, you know, I read that Dan Rappaport uh, uh, roundup of sort of the TikTok of this uh, as as well as some of the other coverage. And, you know, it's it's such a small group of people talking in such small rooms. The fact that something like this would happen with basically the players – you know, either uh, you know, in whole or nearly in whole, unaware of what was going on, uh, seems pretty shocking. What do you think about sort of their reactions to this? Because I'm sure that there's a lot of frustration on on different sides, but at the end of the day, they stand to make a lot more money. Doesn't that make this go down a little easier? It does. I think. Well, one side is is very happy. The PGA pros who left the PGA to take the live offer and to um, you know, stand up in the face of criticism for doing that uh, and say, I made the right choice for me. And in the face of the PGA saying the messaging was, you know, you're taking blood money from the Saudis um, and the 9-11 protesters and all of that. Uh, and now they get to essentially have their cake and eat it, too, it seems. I think there'll probably be some some fine, some something that they have to to get back into the fold in the PGA, but they're going to bring them together. Um, the people that are really angry are the ones who didn't take <laughs> the live money. And <laughs> there were some big offers out there. I mean, yeah. Rory McIlroy had $500 million on the table. Tiger Woods had 800. Um, there were, but there are lower people like Ricky Fowler had 75 million offered to him. Those are game changing numbers. Uh, and now if you took that money and you then could come back, you know, it's pretty tough to stomach. Hideki Matsuyama had 300 million offered to him. Um, so it, I think the whole thing hurt, especially the smaller guys who were offered some, in their mind, game changing money, didn't take it and now are wondering what the benefit is in the long term. I think it's good for purses overall, for the tournaments, for the, the sustainability of the game around the world. Um, but, you know, the critics say the Saudis um, bought their way into a professional sports league like they have done in others, like soccer. Yes, and obviously that's something that is uh, certainly of concern. There's a Wall Street Journal editorial today uh, that that looks at this and and basically you know makes the argument that uh, you know this is a huge win for for MBS uh, uh, the revenge of the Saudi pariah uh, and that uh, this is also kind of revealing of of the um, way that the Biden administration has mishandled relationships uh, with the Saudis uh, in terms of the political ramifications of something like this is the lesson the takeaway here going to be one that you know really you can. Uh, just spend an enormous amount of money and and buy your way back into the good graces uh, of others. Uh, you know that there's always a dollar amount where that's something that's possible. 
I mean, I guess that's one of the takeaways. I would argue, you know, it's more complex with the Saudis in in the national security and U.S. policy um, realm. I mean, we have a lot of different ties to them, and and expressing concerns about human rights, um, you know, is important. Um, but so are the ties with the Saudis, big picture. Uh, and that's a delicate dance on a national security and a U.S. government uh, effort. On a sports effort, yeah, money talks. And to see the turnaround and the 180 that PGA officials and specifically the commissioner, Monaghan, uh, took about his messaging on this and then sitting with the head of the Saudi Wealth Fund um, – was really quite that, that was that was quite an awkward that was quite an awkward smiling session there i, I that footage was very interesting <laughs> yeah and uh you know this pif uh this this fund private investment fund is um is now the controlling force in the for profit pga um you know element the arm uh and has a lot of control which means you know we don't have all the specifics but that meant a, a big dollar figure that was um, was thrown out there. But now um, this is kind of what they wanted, I think, is to have this uh, real influence in the game of golf. And that's what they thought from the beginning. Uh, if you look at Greg Norman, who tried to do this years and years ago, uh, to have these team elements and to have a worldwide footprint, um you know, he's a little vindicated, although he seemed to be uh, arm's length out of this deal. He was told about it just before it happened. Uh, in terms of the elements that Liv brought in, you mentioned the team element, and uh, and there's also, you know, the shotgun starts and other things. Uh, what, are, what are your expectations and what would you like to see in terms of the way that uh, – uh, that this new entity essentially works and handles it and, and integrates or learns from some of the experiments that live engaged in, you know, in the past, you know, you could look back to the AFL NFL merger, you know, it had impacts in terms of the rules and the way the game was played. Uh, what kind of impact do you think that this will have uh, in terms of the enjoyment from the fan perspective? You know, you may see that team thing survive. It's a big element of, of what live was about. Uh, and it was a, different thing uh, for the PGA. And there are now, you know, Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, Cam Smith have percentage ownership in their teams. So now there's, you know, an element of, of almost a soccer league kind of um, approach. So I think that that's not going to go away. I don't know what happens to the, um, to the 54 hole event. I don't think you can merge those two if you have 72 hold. You could have some, you know, exhibition uh, things that fall under that category. Uh, I think the shotgun start probably goes away. Um, but listen, all these things have to be ironed out. The PGA players who stayed, uh, and Rory just wrapped up a news conference in which he said, quoting, I still hate live. I always <laughs> will hate live. But this is a merger with PIF and um, a good thing, he says, in the big picture for the game. So I, I think he considers himself a bit of a sacrificial lamb as far as talking about how to be loyal to the PGA Tour and doesn't feel like the PGA was loyal to him. But um, he was briefed on it yesterday morning. 
Yeah, you mentioned uh, Monaghan's role uh, in this. Uh, obviously, the the negotiation initially actually you know didn't at least according to Rappaport's reporting didn't didn't actually. By the way, Rappaport is really good and has a really good sense of all yes. of this, and I think he's probably one of the best at covering the inside baseball of the PGA Tour. I I concur, and and he uh, he already did a great uh, interview this morning that I was listening to on on uh, the Pardon My Take podcast outlining. Outlining this, by the way, I don't know if you <laughs> happen to note, notice this, but he's getting married this weekend. So this was bad, very bad timing for. Uh, oh for man, I didn't story. know that. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so um, I wonder if if you're, what what is your take on Monahan and uh, the level of animosity toward him right now uh, from the players? Do you think that he's going to be able to to survive in this role, or is this a situation where? You know all the different tactics that he used that, that you know went so far out over the skis in terms of criticizing live up to this point. Uh, is that going to make this a very uh, a difficult marriage for him? I, I don't think it's the animosity to the level level of uh, Chris Licht and CNN employees, um, but I do think there's a lot of animosity. <laughs> a few the few PGA things. Tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do think there's a lot of animosity on the PGA Tour players, at least judging by yesterday's player meeting and the reporting of it. Uh, I do think that, um, you know, listen, if you have the controlling uh, force money-wise of, of the tour now being run by the Saudis, this PIF, uh, this fund, and you were the guy that spent a year and a half lambasting the Saudis and sending 9-11 protesters to each live event. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure that you are safe in your job, um, mm-hmm. but we'll see. I think that those two factors, though, are probably pretty problematic long term. Uh, he did make this deal with a number of other people uh, and... Um, you know, they're trying to portray it as really good for golf. I'm not sure in the long term it's going to be good for Jay Monahan. More of the Ben Dominish podcast right after this. I just uh, generally uh, curious as to your attitude toward golf and uh, younger generations. I know, you know, you have kids and, and this is something that, you know, is is obviously a, a sport that is trying to appeal more and more to uh, to a younger generation of fans uh, and part of, you know, the live appeal seemed to be trying to lean into that, you know, making, you know, trying new things in order to appeal to a different fan base. I'm not sure that they had done so successfully, but d- at least in concept, uh, is that something that you think uh, is going to be helped by this merger in terms of, of appealing to more and more young people? I think that's part of it. I, I do think that um, there's a real effort to getting young people involved. Um, Tiger Woods is stepping up in that regard. He's doing all these, um, these putting and chipping places, uh, around the country. Uh, there are more and more, um, uh, virtual golf, uh, places popping up. Uh, Tiger and Rory are doing this virtual league with pros, um, in the off season on, I think Mondays, um, where there's essentially a stadium in Palm Beach where they'll, you know, play different courses virtually. You'll see on these big screens, and then they they putt out, chip and putt out in these greens that adjust in front of the people live. I'm not sure how it's all going to work, but it's definitely appealing to a different video-centric um, young people. And uh, so that's a big issue 
uh, for the game is making sure that um, kids get involved. In since COVID, uh, the numbers are really, really great. I'm actually on the PGA Reach board, uh, which is the charitable board uh, for the PGA uh, of America, and that is I'm part of the PGA Hope, which is um, the effort to to help veterans get a part of the game and, and really get um, teaching and, and tournaments for, for vets who've served. Um, and it's, it's an amazing program. But there's other parts of PGA Reach which go after kids. And, um, and we've seen numbers and data that suggest the game has really grown. Uh, COVID was, believe it or not, a really good thing for golf, numbers-wise. And the number, average age of golfers has gone down significantly. So partying, trying to get more of that, trying to get golf into minority communities, make sure that access is available and people can get golf clubs and all that stuff. That's another arm of this charity, PGA Works. And, um, you know, it's a real goal for the leadership. Um, just in terms of, uh, you know, this is obviously a huge business story and a huge uh, story generally in the history of sports. But in terms of the current storylines that are uh, playing out uh, in golf on a player level, I'm curious what are some of the most interesting ones to you at the moment? As far as the storylines of, of players, yeah, just uh, just what you're paying, who you're paying attention, you're paying to. attention to, yeah, yeah. So I really think that um, Brooks Kepka and what he showed at the the PGA after basically losing his game, yeah. um is really uh, an amazing story uh, to watch. And at one point, you know, in that full swing, if you saw that that series, um, yeah. he, he contemplates leaving the game. I mean, he's that frustrated because of his injury and, and he couldn't get back. And then he fought through it. And then to be able to perform and, um, and win the PGA is a huge deal, coming second at the Masters. I think Phil, Phil Mickelson's another amazing story. You know, he's trying to, <laughs> Complete the Grand Slam at the U.S. Open uh, coming up at L.A. Country Club. And, um, boy, for all of the, you know, animosity he took uh, for yeah. leaving the tour, uh, he's going to be credited with changing the game. Um, yeah. And and uh, I think that's interesting to watch. On the, on the Ra- regular Rappaport side, mentioned, by the way, about about Phil Rappaport mentioned that we should have known something like this was coming because of how chippy he was getting on social media again. <laughs> so. Exactly. When he starts talking about hitting bombs on yep. social media, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> there's something afoot. I think Rory's um, been really battered by this whole thing. And I think yeah. it affected his game. I'd, I'd love to see him bounce back, but I'm also big fans of, of up and comers. I played with um, Ben on, um, at the AT&T at Pebble Beach this year. The guy hits it a mile, went to the University of California, and uh, he's a guy that's uh, going to compete soon. Mm-hmm. Well, Brett, I want to thank you for, for taking off your anchor hat and putting on your golf hat to, uh, to walk me through all of this. Um, it's, it's an astounding and, and momentous uh, uh, you know, uh, event in the world of sports. Uh, and of course, you know, I think that the ramifications are going to be something we see over the coming years in a lot of different ways. I agree. Thanks, Ben.
You've been listening to another edition of the Ben Dominich Podcast brought to you by Fox News. We'll be back soon with more to dive back into the fray. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.